as it's then, and Jason here, and we're going to do another podcast tonight, and we have a very special guest, which is always nice. Uh, I'd like to introduce you guys, to those of you who don't know him, to Chris Collins. He's written an excellent research paper on cloud storage and where that goes with forensics. So, Chris, if you don't mind, why don't you let us know a little bit about yourself and your background and, and what you do, and we'll get going. Hey, listeners, it's Chris Collins here from Lake Jackson Police Department in Texas. Uh, we're just south of Houston. That's good up-and-coming community, uh, really hitting it off with some good digital forensics and really making an impact in the area. Looking into cloud storage and, and trying to really apply that to digital forensics and the future of digital forensics and storage, doing some really good things in the, in the uh, industry. Yeah, I got to say, it's, it's impressive, right? Because it, it took me three reads, right, um, to, to actually get through the thing, I think, and look at everything that's in there. It's clear that you spent a lot of time researching this. Um, there's a lot of work that you put into it, and I know you talked to a lot of people in the industry um, and, and really did your background, right, and looking into it. So I know you, you took a look at some, uh, some digital data from some different agencies, and that was interesting to me, right? So I, I think there were three different agencies that you looked at over a year. And one of the things for me, being, being an older guy, right, looking at it that amazed me, was in that one year period, right, out of the devices that were looked at, 2,151 2, of them were mobile devices and only 84 computers and hard drives, right? But we're talking terabytes of data, aren't we, Chris? Absolutely. Yeah, looking at all three agencies, uh, I reached out to the Harris County District Attorney's Office. Uh, they have a digital forensics unit there. They handle basically all the digital forensics for Harris County, which is the greater Houston area in Texas. Uh, reached out to a contact at the Gulf Coast Technology Center in uh, Mobile, Alabama, and they the intake of devices for those two agencies alone was huge. Uh, and with me being in Lake Jackson, I was able to easily my statistics into it as well. And out of all three agencies, over a one-year period, just over 2,100 devices for years is amazing. And 109 terabytes uh, is what total that was used for storage over a year period with all three combined. Yeah, and I, and I know when you get into the paper, right, because because there's a couple of different things, right? Let's talk about the perfect world, and then I, I think Sam's got a question we were talking about earlier when we were kind of pre-gaming this that I'll, that I'll let him ask. But in a perfect world, right, we all can go to somebody in our, in our agency or our, or our business and say, hey, so I, I need a way to do like 109 terabytes now. And by the way, I think it's probably going to be 200 terabytes next year and the year after that five. And it's going to keep on going like that, just like your cell phone keeps getting bigger. Our need for storage is going to keep getting bigger. Um, so I know when Sam and I were talking um, earlier, one of the things that we were interested in was, do you see cloud as the inevitable future for evidence storage? It definitely is emerging as the, it's it's going to be the go-to uh, because of the simplicity that it, it brings to the, the format for storage. If you're setting up a NAS or, or a local storage server, there's so much stuff on the back end of setting it up configurations and, and a lot of things people don't take into account is like wiring uh, network architecture setting everything up to be proper and secure and even if you go to smaller departments you're looking at using usb tethered devices like external hard drives and usb drives all of that has failure rates and fault tolerances and, and when you combine all that together with the cost end of life cycles for mechanical devices 
if you can put that responsibility off on a cloud storage provider, that, that just frees up so much resources, time, and effort for an agency in a digital forensics lab to, to really flourish. Uh, and that's, that's where I see it's heading is, is putting that responsibility off on them. That makes sense. What do you see as like a, a what do you what do you guys do over at Lake Jackson? Do you guys have the option to go like cloud? Because I mean, obviously, going cloud will not just save you all the stuff you said, but physical space too. I mean, you've got to have a spot to physically put that server or something else that you might have if you have like physical storage on site. Right now, um, we just acquired uh, five twenty-two terabyte hard drives that we're using in our uh, Polino system on the uh, hot swap bays up front. Um, yeah. <laughs> disclosure at this point, we are a hardware manufacturer, right? We do not do cloud computing, but we do sell hardware. Um, that being said, we're going to stay as vendor neutral as we can. But thank you, Chris, for the plug. We appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. So with we've got five twenty-two terabyte hard drives set up and on our our workstation and getting them set up in a RAID array so that way there's there's some tolerance there if there is a drive failure and that's going to be for our long-term storage and backup solution at this time and generally right now our other backup solution is using five terabyte USB external hard disk drives uh, for, for our storage into evidence uh, for case uh, management and case storage we're using USB thumb drives and submitting those with the raw extraction data along with the report files that are generated off of mobile devices. So I think that, that's really smart, right, to, to have written the paper that you've written, right? Because I think that um, I think that you're looking ahead, right, which is what I really love about talking to you, Chris. And, and you're thinking about, okay, that's what we do right now. That's what we have the budget for, right? And we all work within a budget, right? But, but you're positioning you know, you're positioning your agency for when it's time to make that transition, when you have to go to command staff and say, look, seriously, right, we're spending way more on the rest of this and we're losing case time because we have people, you know, like you said, we have drives that fail, right? We have all these other things that happen. And if you follow, if you stay on the path of the physical architecture at your agency, that just has to get bigger and bigger and you know like i think sam mentioned and you mentioned as well the problem that comes with that it, it's not so much w working with that every day it's when something happens right it's when something goes bad so i know you had a, a pretty good story from some uh from some good friends of ours down in uh um, southwest virginia which i guess another full disclosure my uh, i'm actually from that area very familiar with that area but uh bedford county and South Southern Virginia ICAC, um, really great friends of ours, both uh, personally and on the Samari side. So if you talk to those guys, tell them uh, Sam and Jason, tell Josh and Steve, Sam and Jason said, hey, but why don't you tell us a little bit about the difficulties that those guys ran into and, and what they did about it and what they're doing about it? Because that was a really interesting part of the paper that's well worth reading. Yeah, so I had the opportunity to reach out to them. Uh, one of the people that helped me really write this paper, uh, Jim Cole, uh, recently retired for Homeland Security Investigations, uh, set me up with Sergeant Josh uh, Dobbins and Captain Steve Anders over at the Bedford County Sheriff's Office. Uh, they're attached to the Southern Virginia Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force headquarters over there. They had some unique challenges show up uh, with them being ICAC, Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force, they're dealing with some of the most sensitive evidence that you can have whenever you're talking on the digital medium. Uh, 
any kind of child sex abuse materials, images, videos, things like that, and other pieces of digital media that are used in those types of evidence, like custom hash sets uh, for comparing to images that are located or comparative image libraries, they have to house all of that. And around 2015, uh, I learned from those guys that they began upgrading their local data storage servers um, and they had on-site two fairly large rack-mounted servers and a total of one petabyte of storage for that whole server system. Uh, 2018 comes around, if you think that's only three years, uh, they had a, a critical failure uh, on that server. It was due to a configuration error and they ended up losing tons of case file data, uh, comparative image libraries, and that really sparked them to set up a off-site server in a, in a totally different location for strictly backups. But if you think about that, to set up a backup server like that, it has to match that original server. So they have to build a complete setup of another petabyte storage server just for backups. So now you're doubling your budget uh, for one petabyte of storage. And that's, that's a ton of space. But whenever you think about that kind of failure that they had, they lost well over hundreds of gigabytes of data from cases from 1998 all the way to 2013 along with a bunch of other image tools and and things that were just lost and not recoverable yeah we might know a company that was involved in the backstory there with getting those other servers up and running and things like that we might know that company very well um but you, i mean you mentioned uh sam chucklin over here now <laughs> shameless plug anyway um you can't go wrong with Jim Cole in terms of connections inside the forensic community, especially when it comes to, to CSAM. And you also can't go wrong with Jim Cole in terms of recommendations for beer. Uh, so Jim's a great guy. We've known him for years as well. And, and you know, I mean, that, that's a perfect use case. And for, for everybody that's looking at this and thinking, okay, all of this sounds awesome, but, but Chris just gave us the exact problem right there. If I'm taking CSAM and I'm putting it up in a cloud and that gets intercepted, didn't I just become someone that transported that across state lines, right? And committed a crime myself. And now am I gonna get arrested for letting this out into the wild? So I know in your paper, you know, um, toward the middle of it, you, you talk about the whole, how safe is it? How secure is it? Um, you know, so why don't you take us through a little bit of the FedRAMP stuff and, and NIST and some of the other things that are involved in that things that would make old people like me feel a little more comfortable with the fact that, you know, I mean, this was unheard of, right? Like five years ago, this was crazy talk, right? It's kind of like AI doing forensics is crazy talk right now, right? But if you don't mind, why don't you tell us, you know, why it is okay or how it's becoming okay um, to actually store this kind of stuff off site now? Absolutely. Uh, you know, like you said, five years ago, when you thought cloud storage, you were thinking Dropbox or school papers. Oh, <laughs> uh, you, you weren't you weren't thinking about Amazon GovCloud or anything like that. Um, one of the things that really stuck out to me in all of this is all of the, there's so many different federal standards and compliance certifications and regulations out there for cloud storage. And one of the big ones that I really looked at for, for guidance on how secure it is, is the Department of Defense uh, Security Requirements Guide. They classify different levels of storage and how secure they are with what's called impact levels. From IL-1, impact level one, 
That's for uncontrolled free access documents all the way to IL-6 is for secret, top secret type documents. And for the DOD to put a standard on cloud storage to rate cloud storage to hold secret, top secret documents really stood out to me because that's some of the most controlled documents and data out there. And to even get a clearance level for that, having a single scope background investigation complete, you know, the, for how strict those are, to, for them to be able to put a classification on cloud storage to meet those kind of rigorous standards really, really stuck out to me. But each one of these federal standards, I mean, you've got like CGIS security compliance through the FBI, DOD, or DOJ. You've got BIPS compliance, NIST compliance, all of these different acronyms that, that you can spout off about. They they all are building blocks upon each other. You'll Whenever you read these security standards, you'll often see that BIPS is compliant with certain NIST standards and they build off of the NIST, you know, SP 800 series paperwork and the cybersecurity framework. And when you look at NIST, um, it mentions, you know, FedRAMP and FedRAMP mentions NIST and a lot of these, they, they, they overlap on a lot of their coverage for standards. So whenever you look at it as a whole, even including HIPAA for, for health insurance information or healthcare, healthcare information, a lot of the major ones out there that I mentioned in my paper meet all of those standards. Um, and there is a caveat to that. CGIS and HIPAA, they don't have actual compliance like certifications that's held to the end user uh, to, to maintain that security compliance, but it's it's easily done so, especially with, with CGIS compliance. Uh, one of the main things is is that the cloud storage provider can't have any direct access to personal identifiable information, but you can have escort, escorted access. If you have an issue, you need tech support to come in, whether it's remote or on site. As long as you're with them, watching them, making sure they don't access stuff they're not supposed to access, you're within you know compliant standards on that. So with all of those rigorous federal standards, there's just no way around it to say that it's not secure at this point. So, so yeah, I mean, that, that should make most people feel safe. And we'll take a quick trivia segue here, and the question is open to anybody, right? Anybody know how NIST got started? Ooh. Milk. Milk. If I had to guess, it would have been peanut butter, but... <laughs> Milk, right? So National Institute of Safety and Technology or Science and Technology, right? And and that has turned into, right, and it's, and it's kind of a good analogy for exactly what you're talking about with everything building on top of each other, right? is, you know, over the years, decades, century, I guess, or more now, I don't know when it was founded, you can see where that's now transformed into, you know, now we're looking at, okay, how do we protect humans from bad milk? And now we're at how do we protect humans from bad data, right? So it's really interesting when you look at, at disruption events, things that, that change things. And I think, you know, cloud can, or cloud storage, I guess I should say, is really a disruption event or part of a disruption event um, that's taken a little while to get rolling, but is going to quickly snowball, you know, much like I think what is going to happen with artificial intelligence in about three to five years. I think that the just with the amount of data that's stored electronically, um, increasing year over year over year, you're going to see that cloud computing change happen quickly. And the providers are prepared, much like you said, right? They're, they they know that, they, that this is something that they have to be aware of. And for me, the way I look at it is, you know, at first I was frightened, right? Because I'm like, okay, 
frankly, this sucks, right? Stuff's going to be out in the wild. People are going to find stuff. There's going to be data breaches, right? It's much better if it's just in a castle with a moat around it that no one can get into. And when you think about it for a little while, you're like, well, you know, what is more likely? And ransomware is a good example, right? You know, who gets hit with ransomware? Not, not the, not the big corporations, not the big governments. The smaller cities, the hospitals, the things like that, that are vulnerable, that don't have the manpower to do it. So when we talk about all these petabytes and petabytes, and I understand better at math than me, there's probably something past the petabyte, what, exabyte? Exabyte. So exabytes of data that are out there, right? Do we really want to trust ourselves to do that, even though we are who we are as forensicators, or do we want to turn it over to people whose only job is data and securing it? Right. So, you know, I think that's a big thing that I took away or a big key takeaway from me. And I've, I've monopolized this. So I'm going to let Sam jump in with a couple of things. But for me, you know, one of the things that you said, right, and one of the things people have to think about, you know, that we need to meet federal or state compliance standards. And most of the states, it looks like from the paper, which for your state, if you read Chris's paper, he tells you in there exactly what your standards are for your state, if there are any. Most of them have some kind of standards follow something that follows the feds right but once that's achieved once you have that right it all comes back to you again just like it did when you had an evidence locker right and the evidence locker only works when you actually pick up the drive with the evidence on it and put it back in the locker so the way i think about that with the whole cloud computing thing is this whole thing only works right if you use it properly right so if you do what you're supposed to do on your end you can pretty much rest assured that that they're going to be um, doing what they're supposed to be doing on their end, but trust but verify, right? So, and when you look into these cloud computing things, and I, I don't remember if that was covered in detail in there, but but you absolutely are able to audit those things. There are security audits that they put out and security audits that you can request, right? So. It's like everything else. Once you actually understand what it is and you know what you're talking about, you have the opportunity to look at that. You have the opportunity to look at what their security is like and you have the opportunity to test it. And it's really, um, for me, that's the big takeaway is, you know, don't be afraid of cloud storage, but be wary. Like anything else, be wary of the fact that you may lose your data if you're not on top of your game. Sam? I guess I had one more question, Jason. You had a you'd mentioned something about ransomware not affecting the big agencies, but more the smaller ones. In the same sort of sense as things that could be better for a small agency than a bigger one. Hey, Chris, do you think there's any correlation for the cloud usage and the agency size? Is it like inversely proportional? Do you think cloud storage is something that's better off for really big agencies? Do you think it's better off for small agencies? Maybe there's no connection at all. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Well, it, it really depends upon the, the intake and processing of data. Uh, I did a trend analysis for our agency, uh, and we started digital forensics in 2015 uh, doing mobile devices. And with that, over, I think, from 2015 to 2016, we used one terabyte. 2016 to 2018, we needed a five terabyte hard drive. And that, that trend just kept continuing uh, until last year. Uh, within one year, I'm using a five terabyte hard drive and I'm still housing information and data from forensic analysis reports 
on the local machine that I'm not able to move off yet. I'm waiting to get another five terabyte drive. Luckily with our implementing those those 22 terabyte drives, I'm gonna have a nice storage pool to put all that in now, but that trend just kept going up. And finally, over a five year period, I mean, we're gonna be looking at 10 terabytes per year and then 20 terabytes per year, even with a smaller agency, because we have expanded our forensic lab to accept multiple outside agencies. Um, nice. Yeah, so we're, we're helping out multiple smaller agencies. Our, our community is pretty small and spread out here. It's very rural out here. With us being south of Houston, we have several smaller police departments that just don't have those capabilities. That's why the main reason we opened it up to not only smaller agencies, but also surrounding counties. Uh, I've processed devices for several of the surrounding counties and including large agencies like Houston Police Department has brought mobile devices to us to process because of their backlog is so far back and they have an important case they need processed. I can get that information to them. Uh, along with working with the ICAC task force and, and processing devices for Homeland Security in our area, even helping out our local U.S. Coast Guard station with devices. Um, so with not only expanding the type of data we're getting, it was in 2018, 2019, we were only processing logical, advanced logical downloads of phones, and then we ended up moving into collecting a lot of full file system downloads. So even at our smaller agency, collecting larger data sets from devices. The device uh, storage sizes are vastly increasing to now you can get a one terabyte iPhone Then not only helping those other surrounding agencies. It, it just really, it depends upon the agency. If if we were a small agency doing only our own phones, you know, I could see, you know, it, it may not be a jump to make yet, but it's still gonna be coming in the future. Uh, for us, we're, we're getting to that point where we're gonna need to make that move to the cloud to, to maintain good storage. Well, you know what, that, that makes me happy, right? Because, you know, um, at the end of the day, we're all kind of here for the, for the same mission, either in support like we are here at Samaria or on the front lines like you are, which is putting people that are doing bad things away, getting them away from our families, getting away from our friends, and, and just changing the world, making it a little better place every day, right? So that's awesome that you're doing all that work for the other agencies, and it's, it's a testament to two things. The main thing, which I would say 98% of it is probably you, Chris, and all the work that you put into it. And then I've not had the chance to visit your lab, but I did see a picture on social media, that really cool mouse pad that you have and those little <laughs> yellow plastic things. That's the other 2%, I think. But that being said, right, I want to give you the chance. We're getting kind of toward the end of it here, but I, I want to give you the chance now to tell us what question we should have asked you that we didn't. What didn't we think about? What can you say for people? And uh, also, shameless plug for Chris, we're going to put links to his paper when we put this out. There'll be a link at the end of the podcast, um, and we'll let you guys know where to find it. Chris, feel free to tell people where to look at it now um, if they want to. I know I posted it to my own personal um, LinkedIn account, so you can find it there. I know it's on Chris's LinkedIn account, but Chris, what didn't we think about to ask, or what would you like to leave us with to think about? How are we going to finish up this discussion on cloud storage? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, as far as the paper goes, you can find a copy of it on my LinkedIn. Um, it's been posted on Hexordia. Jessica Hyde has, has put it out on hers. Um, excellent, excellent resource, Jessica. Yeah, she she is great. She 
she helped out immensely with this and was freely immediately available just to help out as much as she could. And it, it's pending posting on several other blogs, so it's going to be out there for anybody to grab if they need it. Uh, and I encourage everybody to take a look at it. As far as one of the things that we didn't cover, just the, the, the sheer cost of local storage devices. Uh, we we kind of went into it a little bit with the storage servers, but to really break down agencies using flash thumb drives to transfer evidence, you know, you look at an 8 gig or a 16 gig thumb drive, it's $7 a piece, all the way up to a 512 gig thumb drive, you're looking at about $50 a piece if you go with reputable manufacturers on those. The shelf life on them is great, but the, the problem that I see with them are thumb drives fail all the time. Right. Uh, we, we've had an instance of failure on one of our cases that we uh, processed a mobile device for a neighboring agency for a murder trial. And the district attorney's office reached out to us and said, hey, you dumped this phone for us. You got the extraction files and the report. We tried to open it for court. It's corrupt. Simple things like that. And whenever you start adding that up, you know, just taking an average, if you have a grab bag mix of cases of different phone sizes over a year, if you have 100 phones processed, 100 thumb drives that are sent out, not only you have to look at the annualized failure rate of those, but just the cost. I mean, you're looking at approximately $2,000 a year just in thumb drives. And that, that's, that can be alleviated with cloud storage and, and cloud sharing. Yeah, so I mean, if you got into, and, and again, you know, your agency is a little bit smaller, but if you got into, you know, you're very near Harris County, that's Houston, that's a pretty big area, right? Um, if you get into some of those more larger agencies, things like that, when you talk about the savings, you're really talking about adding another examiner or adding a whole nother workstation or, or you know, license for, for your software that you need to do those extractions, right? When you, you know, so the savings, in money can be turned back around, I hope, and and instead of being a savings to agencies, be uh, another force multiplier to get more people off the street that don't need to be there, get through more backlogs, right, by taking that money that, that's kind of, well, I'll come out and say it, what I think it is, that's wasted, right, on, on all these drives that fail, on storing things, on having, you know, electrostatic bags to put them in and lockers to stick them in, you know, if you can secure that safely in the cloud and take that savings and turn around and put more people in jail, I'm all for that. So Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you think about those thumb drives. Once you submit those into evidence, it's pretty much done for. Because right. now it's in evidence until the case is disposed of. So you look at record retention periods, that case, you know, depending upon what happens with it. And generally, you're not going to get those thumb drives back after the case is disposed of. It's, it's going to end up at the district attorney's office in a drawer somewhere after they wipe it or whatever they do with it. And, you know, it's just, you're literally just wasting money on, on things like that. Well, Chris, that's awesome, man. Thank you. We appreciate you greatly coming on and, and talking to us on our podcast series. Um, you know, great job on the paper, man. I see a lot of these things come across the 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 wire for lack of a better term and you click on them and you're like yeah you know and i'll be honest i write blogs and my blogs don't stand up to your paper or come even close right you, you put a lot of time into it a lot of thought a lot of effort and for those of you out there that are interested in cloud storage you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't read this it's a for as technical as it is it's a pretty quick read and it's well put together well thought out 
there's a story in the middle in case you get bored right so so you really can't you really can't go wrong with, with chris's research paper so thank you so much for coming on um sam you want to wrap up and take us out yeah all right thanks very much for, for having uh spend some time with us chris take it easy man see you see everybody later thanks guys